Are you bored living a mediocre life? We were too, and we know how to change that. Each week, we'll leave our comfort zones to explore a new topic, then step onto our soapboxes, a safe space to sound off on our latest adventure. Come explore with us. All opinions are welcome. This is a mindset. This is a lifestyle. This is Siren Soapbox. Hello, fellow explorers. Welcome to Siren Soapbox. Thank you for diving in and exploring with us. We're on a mission to explore beyond comfort zones because that is where meaningful growth and lasting happiness can be found. We believe that exploration is for everyone. It can take place anywhere, no matter your location or situation. And we've made exploring even easier. Check out our pre-dive episode number 114 in the description for links on how to follow along on all of our explorations in February. So many ways to explore. Pick one today and experience life outside your comfort zone. We've all grown up with them. Whether it was being captivated by the story of the giant gingerbread house or the wooden boy with the growing nose when he lies or a fairy godmother creating a carriage out of a pumpkin and slippers made out of glass. Fairy tales provided us entertainment through fascination and wonder with a cleverly disguised takeaway message. According to the BBC, researchers at universities in Durham and Lisbon found some fairy tales going all the way back to prehistoric roots. Some tales were older than the earliest literary records with one dating back to the Bronze Age. But what makes a fairy tale a fairy tale? It's characterized by a short narrative. It is passed down through the generations. Its building blocks include certain kinds of characters like stepmothers and princesses, elves and giants, and certain current motifs like keys, apples, mirrors, rings, and toads. And there's some sort of supernatural activity. It also expresses hope through a happy ending. But do some of these older fairy tales have a place in today's society? That is just what one stop-motion filmmaker has set out to prove. The Sirens watched Laura Lewis Barr's The Linguist, a modern take on the grim fairy tale, The Three Languages. And for an added challenge, the Sirens tried their hand at stop-motion filmmaking for themselves. Let's find out how they did. But first, if at any time the conversation gets too intense, the safe word is... Mango. First up on her soapbox is Sarah. Well, we first talked about recording this episode back in December, and I remember watching one of Laura's stop motion fairy tale adaptations pretty soon after that, The Linguist, as Elsie said. I even printed out and read the original Grim Tale, The Three Languages. I was pretty impressed then with the stop motion film. And um, I think I focused more on that than the actual fairy tale aspect of it initially. But as time wore on, I kept trying to figure out how I was going to accomplish making my own little film. And I became more in awe of how much time, effort, and creativity it actually takes. So, of course, I stressed over how I was going to be able to make my own. Anyone who has listened to an episode or two or any Siren Soapbox episodes can probably already guess how this went for me. Yep, I procrastinated like it was my job, fretted over how I'd never be able to figure out how to do it, convinced myself it was an impossible task, and had pretty much decided I'd be faking a Wi-Fi cell tower outage in this area. 
Well, I finally did some serious self butt kicking and started making a plan. I decided a simple clay face with a frown that turns into a smile might work and be pretty cool. And I was pretty sure there was some modeling clay left over in our school project craft closet. Well, there wasn't. But as I was scanning the shelves in there, I came across an unopened miniature Gumby and Pokey set. I mean, talk about crazy luck. I didn't buy this and I'd never seen it before. Turns out it was a gag gift that my oldest received this Christmas from his girlfriend's family. So a new plan was born. I rooted through 10-year-old tubs of project scraps. Thank goodness I never hit this closet during the minimalist challenge, might I add, <laughs> right there. And then I got ready to film. There were some great how-to videos on stop-motion filming, but I just ended up downloading a free app on my phone called, wait for it, Stop Motion, and followed the simple instructions. <laughs> I was so happy with the results. I mean, I made my very own Gumby film short. But anyway, it's funny that this episode is also about fairy tales, which often have a message or a moral of the story, as Elsie said, because obviously the moral of my story is, once again, the emotional and mental energy I spend fretting over a task ends up taking a heck of a lot more time than actually accomplishing it. Jess, was this as much out of your comfort zone as it was for me? So much, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> this challenge was very outside my comfort zone. I did my best, but long story short, I don't think I have a future as a major motion stop motion picture artist. I spent time watching a few of Laura's videos and I love the twists that she puts on the fairy tales with household objects such as Barbies. I can't imagine the work that goes into her videos. Just the idea of stop motion and the work that goes into it is so impressive. Watching Laura's videos takes me back to the days of watching Gumby and Pokey. There's something about stop motion itself that's just so nostalgic. So after taking some deep breaths, and trying to be confident, I ended up making about a 20-second video that was, I think, about two minutes before uh, the wonderful LLC helped me out. And it was so hard. Trying to keep things continuous and smooth is really tricky, as well as trying to pose your objects and convey what you're trying to while using inanimate objects. I love fairy tales, so I thought about trying to do a scene from The Little Mermaid with my challenge, but I ended up just doing a short video using a little crochet mermaid that Elsie gave me a while ago. I can't wait to see what all the other sirens came up with in this challenge, but again, I don't think I'm going to be quitting my day job. So, Elsie, how do fairy tales play a role in our modern day lives? I had never heard of the fairy tale, the three languages before. And after watching the linguist, I absolutely see the value in this message of being open to learning new things and not just what a parent or maybe what society pushes you to learn. You never know when obscure nugget of knowledge could be a life-saving tip or at least maybe the winning answer on Jeopardy. I thought the linguist stayed true to the original story, the three different, the three languages with a modern twist. And I really enjoyed Phone Gal, which is a totally modern twist on the Match Girl. I was familiar with the story of the Match Girl and thought Phone Gal was a brilliant twist of being sucked into our phones and missing the meaning of connecting with people who are right in front of us. As for attempting stop motion for myself, it was intimidating having a completely blank slate 
I had no idea what I wanted to do or even what I wanted to make a film with. Thankfully, my 14-year-old, whose favorite toy for a few years was his Stick Bots, which is a green screen stop motion kit for kids. He immediately told me, you do not have the patience for this. It will break and you will cry. (laughs) So (laughs) I got to be the natural director and picture taker that I am. And I let Connor do the little fine motions with his Legos. He wanted to recreate a Jurassic Park scene with a funny twist at the end. I did attempt a few of the little movements and my son knows me better than I do. The intricacies of the slight, slightly moving pieces and making sure everybody's moving at the same time, frame by frame, was pretty frustrating to me. So props, pun intended, to those filmmakers that can do it. TC, how do you feel about storytelling? Well, I think the best way to get a message across is to tell a story. Clearly not an original thought, but no less true. And even better if you can share that story in a visual way. And so, stop motion. I have a very long list of really big things I need to accomplish right now. And so I decided maybe I could double dip with this challenge. How can I use this challenge to accomplish something I need in another area of my life? Well, I work in a Montessori school and the kids have been working on growing and selling things from their garden. We have a shade house and we have some adults who help guide them. In the process, they learn the science behind plant growth and cultivation. They learn about marketing. They learn math skills used in buying and selling, and they practice public speaking as they talk with their customers, all in a real world setting. And so I decided to create a short watch us grow message that can be used in some of our media marketing. Now that I had the message I wanted to tell, I had to actually create the film. I really thought this was going to be a very difficult thing to accomplish, but guess what? Google made it easy. You can take pics, then using Google Photos, you can create an animation just by selecting the pics in the correct order. Here's the funny thing about this. Just this weekend, I was telling my brother Bill and Siren Sara all about how I love Google Photos and how it makes my life so easy. This was just the icing on the cake. Now, I'm sure there are better, more high quality ways to do this, but for this first timer, Google made it easy enough that I think I'll probably do it again next time I need to tell a story without my voice. In this challenge, the sirens use stop motion to tell a story. Storytelling has played an important role in human development throughout time. No one knows this better than Laura Lewis Barr, an award-winning stop-motion filmmaker and editor. Laura started as a graduate student in clinical psychology, but eventually switched majors and earned her degree in theater. Laura is a theater director, playwright, and screenwriter. She writes about so many aspects of the human experience, including psychology, spirituality, public speaking, creativity, and emotional intelligence. Her stop motion films have been screened around the world. While she's not writing plays, directing theater, or creating stop motion films in her Chicago basement, you might find her teaching workshops in public speaking, leadership, and emotional intelligence topics. Her company, trainingforbreakthroughs.com, helps leaders through research-based learning to explore the art of storytelling, manage nerves, build executive presence, authenticity, and spontaneity.
Sirens, please join me in welcoming Laura Lewis Barr to this episode of Siren Soapbox. Woo, welcome. Wow. <laughs> wow. 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 I I I feel so seen. Thank you. Wow. And I want to see and I want to see all your films now. I hope we get to see them on your Patreon page or something. Yeah, we'll definitely be posting those on social media next week. <laughs> cool. Excellent. So, Laura, we're curious which of your stories is your favorite and why. <clears throat> okay. Such a, you're asking me my favorite child because these are my children. <laughs> and um, so often it's the one I'm working on. That's that's one answer. Um or the one that I just finished. It, it really is hard. I, I do think though the linguist does have a special place in my heart. Um, somehow that one really uh, combined my psychological studies, my theater background in a way that was really pleasing to me. Nice, we Sounds liked it too. Like us. Sounds a lot like us oh, yeah. when we're like, after every episode, this is my new favorite. Mm -hmm. You'll probably hear at least one of us say that tonight. <laughs> so how did you dive into the world of stop motion filmmaking? Yeah, as I was listening to your stories, I was so impressed because for me, stop motion is a real pretty logical continuation because working in the theater for basically my whole life, uh, when the pandemic came, stop motion became such a wonderful way to focus all my energies as a storytelling artist and use these miniatures instead of live actors. And truth be told, um, either I'm a control freak or, or many other reasons, I like working with the dolls. <laughs> and, you know, I love people and working with live actors is great, but there is something about having that total control that stop motion gives you. And um, certainly during the pandemic, it was a, a lifesaver for me. So, it, I mean, I've been studying storytelling and staging and, and writing uh, stories my whole life. You guys, wow, to jump in. That's amazing. It was a lot of fun to explore. And I'm curious because my stop motion is 17 seconds long and it took me so long to do when you're making like a 10 minute film how long does that take you does that take you filming and editing process yeah I so I'm actually kind of faster than maybe some people because my stuff is kind of is not super slick like if you see Pinocchio it doesn't feel to me like stop motion because it's so fluid and mine is a little crunchier. Um, so I think a 10 minute film might take me four months, maybe depending on what else Gosh. is happening in my life, Ooh. which is pretty fast for stop motion. Um, and I'm doing everything, but yeah. Wow. That's incredible. I'm willing to bet like that Google Google Photos has like a limit on how many pictures you can use in one of their little animations. I'm going to have to Google that. I like the, I guess, as you called it, like crunchy or whatever. Like, I kind of like the the pokey, gumby, like obvious that it's 
I don't know. There's something just very like nostalgic and endearing about that in a not smooth way. Thank you. Yeah, I, I have made the choice to embrace my limitations. I'm not, so I'm a, a writer director first and the, the manipulating things isn't or, or being that kind of artist isn't my strongest skill. So yeah, I had to embrace the imperfection and it becomes part of my brand. That's huge. Embracing the imperfection is a huge life skill. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's easier than other times. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I keep relearning that one. So what is your creation process? Do you find a fairy tale that you like and then go from there? How do you decide which story you're going to focus on? Yeah, it's getting harder for me to figure out because I have sort of a a backlog of stories that I've been collecting. And so when I just finished one, I was overwhelmed with what do I do next? I think on one hand, if, if a fairy tale keeps emerging as a theme, a theme in my life, like I did the, the quest for the Holy Grail uh, somewhat recently that, that legend with um Yeah. The, the searching for the grail, because I kept using that phrase in my life. And I thought, I guess I'm going to do that story. Um, or I'll read a book on fairy tales, and they'll be talking about a psychological aspect of the tale. And I'm going, oh, no, that's my life right now. So I'll do that tale. Um, Little Match Girl was, I think, came from that uh, phone gal. Um, and then sometimes it's just the muse. Uh, the muse says, hey, how about this one? And I go, yeah. And that's kind of the one I'm working on right now. I, I'm just, any kind of inspiration that comes that feels juicy and, and alive, that I'm going to jump on that. And when you're working on a fairy tale, have you ever come across one where you're like, man, this feels so outdated. It's not going to translate well to the modern world. Yeah, I just finished an epic 16-minute uh, piece. And one problem for me is it, it's almost like I have to go through the technical struggle of making the film, and then I can see what I've made. <laughs> then it's a horrible moment because I'm like, oh, no, is it working? And um, for that one's called The Two Travelers, uh, first draft, I'm like, oh, no, it's just repetitive. And it's that old fashioned, repetitive, repetitive. Um, you know, fairy tales, they repeat themselves a lot. They're often three times in this tale, it was four times, the hero has to do it again and again. And that makes sense psychologically, but as a story. So um, thankfully, I think I found my way through that one, but yeah, I, I won't know sometimes until I've spent months and months on a piece so far. So good. That's good. I yeah. think I hope. <laughs> yeah. And have you ever discovered a deeper meaning or message to a fairy tale? It's kind of revealed itself to you as you're filming. I think I can't remember the sequence of phone gal, but um, I do know and if you guys have had this experience with a dream or a story or a film, something where it's that aha moment where you take that gasp and you're like, oh, my God, that's me. And you just 
feel that happened as I was, yeah, I must have been working on the tail and I recognized a piece of myself. I think the little match girl for me as I worked on that tail is really about, you know, her poverty and what is my poverty and how does it lead me into addictive behaviors like too much scrolling. So yeah, I got in touch with that in a deep way. And, and when that happens, it's always a gift for me. It's like that kind of understanding, a, d- a deeper understanding of myself. So yeah, it does happen. I hope it happens more and more, but I can't always count on that. I'm curious about, uh, in reading about you a little bit, I know you started off with one major um, and then you you went from clinical psychology to theater and that's, that's, that can be a scary leap. That's a big decision. So do you remember the moment that you made that decision and can you tell us about it? Yeah. I, so I always did theater from being a child and my undergrad was in theater. Uh, When I moved to California, you know, theater's a tough, it's so tough. And it was very tough for me. My psychology doesn't really hadn't worked with it. So I was going to leave it for the thing that was easier for me and very interesting, which was psychology. But as I was in that psychology program, which I loved, I just had to admit that there was some part of my my mind that was saying, all right, I'm going to get this so that I can have money so I can do theater. And once I recognized that, I'm like, oh, I don't think that that's, that's a real long way around. And so Um, I left that program, which was quite wonderful for my master's degree in theater. Um, I guess it was somewhat impulsive. It just felt like the right thing to do. And I tend to follow my muse that way. Um, and it's been a tough road, uh, but I'm, I can't imagine another, like, if you asked me if I wanted to do over, I'd say, no, you know, this is it. This is my life. I love it. But it's hard. What do you hope to achieve with your work? What message do you hope to inspire for people? Yeah, I, I mean, for me, there is a healing power in fairy tales. And there are um, people who have studied this for their life's work. And I read them and and I so appreciate what they're doing that this is my way to contribute. Because I think these stories that have been dreamt and told and worked on for so many um, centuries, they have some wisdom in them. And so keeping them alive and giving them a fresh telling feels really um, meaningful. And, and it fits for me. I'm a sort, I'm a Jungian. I love, I love the Jungian worldview of as in Carl Jung. And so it's also a way to contribute to the knowledge base of people interested in his work. Did you have a favorite fairy tale growing up? You know, (laughs) I watched the the specials on television. So I, I guess I was, it was probably Cinderella, you know, the Rogers and Hammerstein, uh, wonderful songs. And yeah, yeah, I think that was my favorite. Curious if the sirens have favorite fairy tales. Like what's your, what's your favorite fairy tale? Mine's Pinocchio. Hmm. I always liked Jack and the Beanstalk, but it's really interesting. I, I read a book recently. Um, and in that book, the very, very old versions of the fairy, Grimm's fairy tales 
were were referenced, and they were talking about also, I, I mean, a variety of different fairy tales. But the original Jack and the Beanstalk was pretty dark. Hmm. I guess they've lightened it up for younger people these days. But that, I just find that fascinating that how things evolve over time, and I, I think that's not unique to Jack and the Beanstalk. A lot of fairy tales have lightened up a little bit, except for what was that? Was it Hansel and Gretel? I think they they all still get eaten, or where they're supposed to get eaten and stuck <laughs> in an oven. But this true. Like- they talk about the violence in modern cartoons, but traditional older fairy tales were pretty. They were there was a lot of dark violence in those. Yeah, PC. What was your favorite? I don't know. I was thinking about that. And I wonder if this is common among people. Like when I think fairy tales, I think Disney. I don't know that I like go back and think traditional fairy tales. I think, hmm, which Disney movie do I like the best? And uh, I love Moana. And I don't think that's a traditional fairy tale, although it has like the same kind of structures and things. But I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that. I did used to love Jack and the Beanstalk, too. I've forgotten all about that one. What about you, Jess? Uh, I mean, mine's Little Mermaid, of course. Yeah. But the <laughs> Disney version, not the Hans Christian Andersen version, because, yeah, that one is dark, like we were saying. Spoiler, um, she I, turns to sea foam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spoiler, she 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 made a bad choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, uh, I mean, I grew up on the um, Shelley Duvall fairy tale theater. So, uh, you know, a lot of those kind of stuck to the more original tellings as well. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I love all fairy tales, but I mean, my, my favorite is just, has always been Little Mermaid. Were fairy tales written for children originally? Like, um, I, they weren't told for children originally. And they weren't written originally. They were told, and they okay. were they weren't told um, for children. But then eventually, I I don't know the nineteenth century. It started to be books for children, fairy tales for children, and I think a lot of those tales were meant toward sort of moral moral teaching morals. Little Red Riding Hood. Don't don't talk to strangers. Don't don't mess with the wolfish guy you know, keep, keep to the right path. I like that your films kind of expose people to other fairy tales that aren't as like highlighted as, you know, you see in Disney and some of those other animated things. So it was refreshing to see a whole new fairy tale I'd never heard of before. Yeah. It's amazing how many there are and, and there, there are similar tales around the world. So um, yeah, we only have, because of Disney, I guess, this idea of a small number, but uh, yeah, every culture has like similar tales. Um, the third son who is sort of the the one that's not very bright, that's a very common fairy tale that's told all around the world. And, and the two older brothers are real smart, but they never get anywhere. And you've always used Barbies? I have until this last one that I'm doing right now. I've always used Barbies before that. And now I'm using some stuffed animals and it feels amazing. 
<laughs> it's it's like it's putting me one step further away from people and it's bringing up more well I'm doing a fable and it just didn't feel like it could work with Barbies so you used Barbies I used pieces of paper Elsie you used Legos right yep Sarah had Gumby and Pokey Jess what did you use Little Mermaid Oh, your mermaid. Oh, and what did yeah. um what did Mer use? She Legos. used Legos too. Legos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I went back and watched some of the Gumby and Pokey videos just because I thought, hey, I want to see how mine compares. Um, and what I did notice is that he's supposed to be very flexible, but not so much. And he doesn't always stand if you try to move him too much. And I was watching, they actually it's actually clay in the videos oh, and you can oh. when you're watching him you can see that you know the different thumbprints on the back of him as he turns around it's, it was just really cool going back and watching some of those huh. so they say cool. we're using plate you know clay modeling clay i used to love gumby and pokey it's been a while and the blockheads oh, yeah, yeah i think they were a little bit bigger and way more bendy than the one that you used Mm -hmm. I'm going to have him jump on the horse in my video, but then I was thinking, well, how am I going to make him? I mean, he's going to be here and then he's going to be there because how did he make him go in between? So then he just slapped the back of the horse and the horse ran away, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> it looks that. really it neat. Was adorable. <laughs> it was. So Laura, do you have any like tips or tricks for how you're, you're posing? And oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Do you have any animals that actually knock into your staging area? Well, I, I, we have a dog, but uh, he isn't allowed in my staging area. <laughs> uh, oh, that's good. I, we have a, I learned after my second film that I needed to put magnets on the feet of my dolls. Um, my second film was this huge thing where I had like 10 dolls on the stage and one would fall and then it would hit the others and then they would all fall and then I'd line them up again. Ugh, ugh. So yeah, that was, that was my solution. It's not foolproof, but I have a metal stage and dolls with magnets. That's what I came up with. It's brilliant. Um, I was using yeah. piece of pieces of paper and it's very windy on St. Croix right now. So that, that was getting very <laughs> frustrating. I did mine at work because cat and yeah, if I, I knew if I had tried to do it at home, it would no. Hmm. <laughs> Get a cat paw <laughs> in your video. Like unless I can work them into it somehow. <laughs> it's like live action and stop action together. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think I'd be able to get them to stop moving enough to take the picture. It'd be very blurry. <laughs> Laura, you go to businesses and schools and you talk about the filmmaking? Uh, no. Uh, so I've always been a storyteller and businesses has been teaching storytelling for business and for job interviews and that kind of thing. And then my filmmaking is kind of a separate deal and I'm moving more toward that as I start to step further and further away from my day job. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm transitioning, slowly transitioning to filmmaking. Very good. So what, how long between you decided, okay, I'm going to start making films. Did, 
how did you decide or find that there are award shows? Like, you have so many awards for what you're doing. Like that, it's incredible. Um, how long does that whole process take? Yeah, well, filmmakers seek out festivals and we send out our films and that's a new growing uh, area. Short films are really, there's there's just zillions and zillions of festivals around the world uh, that are looking for short, unusual films. So yeah, that's, and sometimes I go and I'm, I'm able to talk to people and that's really exciting gets a little expensive. So uh, this year, I'm not sure how that'll go. But yeah, I learned so much being in a theater, watching people watch the film, uh, seeing, you know, sometimes you see the mistakes on the big screen, and that's excruciating. But, um, but it's very exciting. Wait, didn't you start this off talking about like embracing the imperfections and right, accepting it? So yeah, it's still excruciating sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But good catch there, yeah. <laughs> so how do you celebrate when you win? Oh boy, there's so much to celebrate. Today I'm kind of celebrating finishing a new film. Uh, how do I celebrate? I, I I send out news. I um I don't know. Have a drink. <laughs> I talk to my husband. Um, yeah, I I go on podcasts. I I don't know. I just I think. I'm in the long haul. This is kind of like a job for me now. So some people are surprised because I, I just finished one last month and that was my epic. And I'm finishing another three minute film right now. So I'm just like, life is short. I'm going to keep going. So I celebrate, but keep going. Good advice. Do you have any advice for anybody that would like to to do what you do? Wow. Yeah. So it feels like some people are story people and some people are visual people and or or we come with those strengths. Some people lean into, you know, that one side of the strength. I seem to notice that. But I, I think the challenge is to try to do both. Filmmaking is a visual medium. So you need a good story and you need to work on that, I think. Um, but also then to um, try to keep improving. I'm always trying to improve what I see in the frame. And I'm always trying to get better at being patient because sometimes I do want to be done and it's not time to be done. It's time to redo. So um, I guess that those are some pieces of advice. Really try to try to get a decent story and then um, have patience and have, have people look at your work and give you feedback. That's always really super helpful. I'm writing down a quote. <laughs> I was just writing <laughs> down is, too. <laughs> I know this is one of those, those pause moments where we're all writing down what you just said. Nice. Taking it in, internalizing. So what's next for you? Like what other grand plans do you have? I'm I'm in a filmmaking cooperative that I got into. I'm super excited about. And we meet weekly and look at each other's scripts and films and critique. And um, so that starts in a couple weeks. So my newest film, uh, I'll be bringing there and then I'll be starting 
from scratch a big longer. I, I like to do longer, shorter, longer, shorter. Um, so yeah, the, the one I'm just finishing is called Making a Monster, a Fable. <laughs> and, um, and then the next one may not actually be a fairy tale. Every so often I like to do something that feels very contemporary like on my website or on my youtube channel um i have a film called the split and that film is about an imagining the united states splitting into two countries hmm. and the barbies are dealing with that <laughs> as a as a married couple splits too so every so often i like to dip into the world of today and um, you know, can still feel like a fairy tale, but I think my next one is going to be similar to that in terms of contemporary I, contemporary world. And and that one is is what would happen if all the workers just didn't come to work hmm. because that started to happen during mm -hmm. the pandemic. So anyway, and still kind of is really. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And it and there are a lot of deep questions to that. Mm -hmm. about work and equity and yeah we'll have to stay in touch and see what what happens i'm excited to hear what thank you do you. with that story thank you so laura we ask this to all of our guests what gets you out of your comfort zone and excited to explore i have been hosting small groups to watch my films and explore the themes that resonate with them inside. And even though I teach public speaking and I'm a public speaker, I guess this is so close to my heart that it really always puts me way out of my comfort zone. I, I often feel really anxious before those events and I sometimes hate that, but um, again, it feels like a calling. So that puts me out of my comfort zone to get so close to what is so, so sacred to me and share it and hope that it were. And, and I think being, being a facilitator of that event, I think being responsible for facilitating always puts me out of my comfort zone. And yet I always feel called to do it. Damn it. <laughs> I love that. Well, fellow explorers, thanks for listening to this episode. As always, we have a challenge for you. For the challenge this week, we ask you to check out some of Laura Lewis Barr's work and give Stop Motion a try. We're curious to see what you can come up with. So share it with the hashtag Siren Soapbox. And Laura, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Would you like to tell our listeners where they can find you? Thank you. Easiest way is my name. So Laura, L-A-U-R-A, Lewis, L-E-W-I-S, Barr, B-A-R-R, lauralewisbarrfilms.com. Great. Thank you. And Sirens, thank you so much for sharing your stories with everyone. We're going to be working on some additional ways that all of our listeners can support us this year. Of course, listening to the show is a huge support, and we can't thank you enough for that. But head on over to Patreon for bonus episodes and bonus video content. If you like this show, please rate it and review it. 
on Apple Podcasts especially, but really wherever you listen. And if you send us a screenshot of your five-star review, we'll send you some Siren Soapbox stickers. You can send that to us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, or you can email us at sirensoapbox at gmail.com. But until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag your latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the Sirens on all the social medias. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.